that's happened a few different locations where people either have been hiking or have just been like, what are you doing? More often than not, it's a bewildered look and then a eventual conversation. And it's kind of affirming because most people are just really cool. It's a nice connective thing to the people around you. I mean, we don't know each other. We're out in the mountains and I have weights. And all of a sudden we're having a conversation about something. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today, it's a really interesting one. I'm talking to Clay Cooper, who is better known online, at least on Instagram, as Discovery Deadlift. Early on in the COVID-19 pandemic, Clay decided to take his weights outside, and he's been deadlifting in the outdoors ever since. He drives a plate, set of plates, I should say, and barbell to different parts across the country, rucks them out, does his workout, then rucks them back. I mean, we are talking mountain streams, beaches, riverbeds, you name it. Clay's probably deadlifted there. He's had some interesting wildlife encounters along the way, and he's about to take his project international. Clay and I talk about deadlifting in the great outdoors, as well as a number of other topics in fitness. I hope you enjoy this one. Clay, thanks so much for taking the time to join me today. For those who aren't super familiar with you or might be new to following your various journeys, let me just give that as a little preview. Uh, give me a rundown of, of I was going to say your athletic background, but I think you're, you're transcending that at this point. Your background in physical culture. Let's make it highfalutin here. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate the question. I think just growing up, I mean, Organized sports were always a big deal. Basketball was, in particular, was my favorite sport. You know, I played football and baseball. Weight training, in particular, was introduced to it in uh, high school, and uh, you know, just kind of trained during the season. Didn't really get too enamored with the weights until my wife got pregnant with our firstborn. My dad had passed away a few months before, and I was just preparing to become a dad. Mm. And I don't know the call of the. The weights came to me. I don't, I'm not sure what it was, um, but I started lifting uh, more significantly when I was 26. And then obviously with what I do now, nature and the outdoors have always just been kind of a core component of, of where I can get some peace and resolve. And I've always liked to be outside. So That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So finding the weights at 26, take us in that evolution over the next, you know, call it four or five years after that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you know, weight training was essentially was something for me to, uh, you know, it's cathartic, right? And there's there's plenty of empirical studies to talk about, like the, the mental benefits of, of training. So um, anybody who gets more serious about their training, I think they start to notice the physical changes. And then that also compounds with how they feel, you know, mentally. So those 26 years, most of my training was more of like a bodybuilding type split where, you know, I I was, you know, pretty new. So I was like, oh, here's Bison Tries Day. I'm going to look up something online and it's going to tell me to do three sets of 10 of this. And I'm going to superset it with this. I think the first gym that I was lifting at was actually Planet Fitness too. So everything was like on a Smith machine. So you could, all the stereotypes and jokes, you've heard all of them at this point. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I've heard all of them. And then, you know, there's kind of the evolution until eventually when I was about 31, I found myself in an empty gym with a deadlift platform. And I just kind of, I'd seen, you know, girls and guys in there pulling great weight before and always wanted to try it, was a little intimidated. And then uh, I loaded up some plates. No one was there to see me. And I 
pulled like the ugliest deadlift you could probably ever pull. It was like a sumo conventional hybrid thing. And <laughs> I, yeah, kind of it, I don't know, something kind of changed. I thought, oh man, this is i uh, I'm literally just picking something up, but uh, this, it quickly became my favorite movement. And then that kind of introduced me more to the world of powerlifting. Got it. Okay. So if we know the deadlift, is the deadlift your still favorite? You're still your favorite movement, just to still, clarify. Still my favorite movement. Yep. Still my favorite movement. I mean, you are discovery deadlift. So I mean that that would make a lot of that right. make a lot of right. sense. Least favorite movement. We're gonna jump ahead here for just a second. No, yeah. I, I love talking about my least favorite actually. Uh probably the Bulgarian split squat. <laughs> That's a pretty popular one. I don't love I make myself front squat regularly, but damn it if I don't hate front squats. I love back squats, front squats in particular, just my wrist mobility needs to work. So I'm putting it on my shoulders and then it starts to roll. But the, the split squat is probably my least favorite thing. You know, I don't ask that on every podcast, but out of like 10, if I ask that 10 times, like 9.5 of the answers will be some split squat variation because they just, they just, they're tough. They're so, I don't yeah. know who you are. They're tough. And, you know, and the thing that makes it so insidious is they're tough, but damn it, if they're not great at like building muscle and strength. So, and, and that's maybe a microcosm of life, right? Some of the stuff that's the hardest to do is, is the stuff most worthwhile doing. So. It's, it's, it's almost like the stuff that gives you the most challenge, builds the most muscle and increases strength and resilience. It's, it's almost like we have to go through tough times in order to get better. It's weird. Isn't I know. Weird? What a novel concept, right? Yeah. What, what a strange thing. So I'm going to work backwards a little bit here because you know we've 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 cats out of the bag you are you are perhaps better known do people know you like do they know you as discovery deadlift and they don't know your actual name like does that ever happen and my wife pointed this out yes just basically knew me as discovery deadlift i had my first name on there so people are like oh this dude's name is clay and i think like six months ago i added my last name so maybe people now know me as uh, clay cooper but yeah Discovery Deadlift Online is definitely probably uh, what I'm the nomenclature I'm most known for. What was your first experience taking a barbell out into the great outdoors and yeah. picking it and picking it up? And like, were you even recording it? Like, or or like, just tell us about that that process. Yeah. So it was uh, the spring of 2020. Obviously, a lot was going on right then with uh, the pandemic and with gym closures. So I had cobbled together some some classified or from classified ads, just some different Olympic plates and a you know a clang and bang barbell, and was just kind of a makeshift garage lifter. But you know during that time in particular, I, the cabin fever was really starting to set in for me. I have you know quite a bit of anxiety. I mean, so it was kind of the Olympics for those of us to have anxiety or you know many mental health struggles. And one day I just thought, you know, I need open space and open air. And uh, I just started loading the weights into my wife's Subaru Outback at the time. I think, you know, I joke that she's like looking out the window and seeing me put barbells and plates in her Outback and be like, what the hell is going on here? But uh, well, by the way, that's the perfect car to start this journey. Like if, if I, if you had, to, if you had told me just to like guess in my mind's eye, that's what I imagined you out, you up like loading up a Subaru. Yeah. Yeah. That, no, that's what it was. Yeah. 2014 Subaru Outback. So I just loaded it up and I didn't have a particular destination in mind. I knew that there was a network of dirt roads near my home. I live next to a pretty gorgeous lake. And I thought, well, maybe I'll just go explore a little bit. And I went out there to just work out. 
I set up the camera with kind of a makeshift tripod with just some rocks and mostly to just hate watch my lifts because I'm a self-taught power lifter. So I was just kind of the idea of like, okay, you know, are my, am my squeezing my lats? What does my back look like? You know, more of a positioning thing. And then as I was out there, it was, you know, it sounds silly maybe to anyone but me, but it was a little bit of a transformative experience being in that open air and feeling small, but feeling small in, the, in all the right ways, right? I was a part of this larger world that was going through this significant thing at the time. And that respite and the peace that nature usually would lend me, combining that with the other thing I do, which was weightlifting that would help my mental and physical health. Yeah, it was just kind of transformative. And on the drive back, I played back the video and I was like, oh, damn it, that's actually kind of pretty. So it was a little accidental. All right. So when was the did you did you go back out like for the next training session? When were you like, I got to start recording these and I got to start pushing out this content? Because a lot of people found this stuff, like a lot of people who found social media success and audiences during the pandemic, it did start out of a desire just to, to break out of whatever funk state or fugue state we were in. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, so on the drive back, actually, I called my wife and I jokingly was like, Hey, I think uh, this is who I am now. I do this now, I guess, where I, uh, I bring weights outside. She's like, yeah, because I remember literally driving and there's this herd of deer running across the dirt road and me just being like, this is, this is where I want to be. So I came back, I showed her the video. I had had just kind of this little rudimentary, like Finsta where I would just post some of my workouts in. there had absolutely no, like, traction you know and then i was like oh i just uploaded it on there and i was like hey i deadlifted by a lake there and then the next day i went out again and worked out outside and then it just kind of started to snowball i was working from home so when i'd finish work or before work i'd head out and go work out and then come home and put in the office hours what is the better workout actually doing the deadlifts and barbell movements outside or getting the equipment to exotic locales yeah. So there, I mean, each destination is, you know, quite a bit different. There are some locations, like when I went to the, the Oregon coast around Astoria, like I literally could drive my truck right out onto the beach. So I just pulled the weights out. And then, you know, that set resembles more of what I would be doing just in any given day on a deadlift platform. Whereas the ones that require, you know, multiple miles or rucks and multiple phases. There's no question for those that the actual getting the weights there and back is what's the hardest thing. What is the most challenging location? Like, and take us through what it was as, as far as like getting the weights there and the process to get the weights there, because you can't, if people are, you know, hopefully after this podcast or during this podcast, they'll check out Instagram. <laughs> it's like, yeah, this isn't like two 10 pound plates and a miniature barbell, right? Like I assume that for some of these rucks, you're, you're going back and forth multiple times to get them out there and then to get them back. Exactly. Yeah. So, and typically I have a, a big frame bag and then I have a backpack. So I'll, my heaviest phase or my heaviest ruck phase is typically a 55 pound plate in my pack and then two forty fives in my hand. So I have about 145 pounds and then, yeah, I literally just walk, hike, ruck it to the spot. I drop it off, walk back and go get another 100 to 130 pounds until I'm at whatever the working weight that my, my desired programming would be that day. As far as like the most difficult destination, you know, there was one day in particular where it was just so cold. I was by a frozen lake in the Wasatch National Forest, which is in Utah. And I think 
that one stands out because the ruck was probably all in like a mile and a half or so. So I've done longer distances and that that's accounting for all the trips there and back, but it was so cold. I remember like not being able to feel my hamstrings or quads and being like, it's just, it's too damn cold out here. And then trying to pull the barbell. So that one was a really like a, a crucible of difficulty as far as like consistent environments that are hard to pull in sand dunes are really tough because eventually you're pulling from a deficit. And if you're going up any type of incline, it is just, yeah, it's, it's not the easiest thing. I just don't, I don't like walking on sand just normally with just, right, with yeah. just me. Yeah. So does the barbell go out first or does the barbell come out last? The barbell usually comes out last. I mix it up. Usually my first phase is going to be my heaviest phase when I'm feeling the most fresh or when mm. the pre-workout is, is the most in me. So usually it's the 55 and the 245s. And then there's another 55 and 245s after that. And then it just kind of goes from there. When I do bring the barbell, I'll have a pack too with at least one or two Olympic plates in it as well. And then I'll, you know, carry it either on my shoulders, like a back squat or out in front of me, or, you know, sometimes I've used it as like this makeshift walking stick. <laughs> I'm a little hard on the equipment, just whatever I have to do to get it there. Has anyone ever seen you doing, I mean, obviously you're doing this in a lot of relatively remote locations, but sometimes, you know, I'm sure you've come across <laughs> other folks enjoying their time outdoors. Has anyone ever joined in? Like, has anyone yes. ever like seen you and been like, Hey, can I work? Can I work in? <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually, actually, that has happened. We were on the Snake River in South Idaho, and we we kayaked to this place called Pillar Falls. And I put the I brought the weights out of the kayak, and I was just kind of in this little like island there in the middle of the Snake River. And it's a fairly popular spot for people to kayak, so there were people coming around. And I was trying not to make a spectacle of myself, so I like went off to the side. Says says the guy says the guy deadlifting on the side of the river. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, that's kind of uh, ironic, right? But if there's too many people there, then like I'll be, you know, I'm literally posting myself online doing this. So you think, oh, he's not going to be shy about this. But if it's in a place that's really populated, I'm like, ah, oh, you know. And that's one of the things I like about it is the remoteness, typically, where that's never even a consideration, other than like, you know, maybe the wildlife wondering what's going on over there. But yeah, he jumped in and worked on a couple of sets. That's happened to a few different locations where people either have been hiking or have just been like, what are you doing? More often than not, it's a bewildered look and then an eventual conversation. And it's kind of affirming because most people are just really cool. And I think that this, it's really odd, but it's kind of, it's a nice connective thing to the people around you. I mean, we don't know each other. We're out in the mountains and I have weights and all of a sudden we're having a conversation about something. Any memorable wildlife run-ins? Nothing too significant. No, there was a, I, I got close to uh, moose. One time, I believe it was a moose. I didn't catch a full glimpse of it, but the the bush was, it was something big. And I had, was sitting down in between sets and there was some rustling behind me and then like a quick gallop and move. And I just kind of stood up and walked into the middle of the river and turned around. And by the time I turned around, I didn't see, I didn't see anything. So that was, that's basically it. Nothing too significant. There was a time I saw a badger and a coyote together, which was really kind of cool. I guess they, they are friends they hunt together sometimes so that, that's an actual thing i've actually yeah. heard about this yeah badgers and coyotes they have like complementary hunting skill sets yeah yeah it was really cool we saw the coyote crossing the trail and i was like that's a coyote and then the badger soon afterwards and then yeah i found that footage i think there's some like udot footage or there's some highway footage over there in california where it shows them like 
hunting or walking or playing together. So I, I've seen some cool wildlife, nothing too scary or threatening. That's a little bit like when a sumo deadlifter and a conventional deadlifter meet up and train together. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's what I like to think of. That's, the, that's that equivalent in the animal kingdom. That is a, that is a great comparison. And, and the funny thing, going back to my original deadlift, I guess that would make me whatever the offspring of that would be. Because my first pool was, I don't know what I was doing between sumo and conventional deadlifting. It was a, it was a terrible hybrid. But uh, yeah, I think that's a good analogy. So are you always pulling conventional these days? I am. I, I don't particularly feel tribal about it. You know, I, I, uh, nothing but love for sumo pullers. I think conventional is just the movement feels more natural for me. Mm-hmm. And it's ultimately kind of what I cut my teeth on. I'm a stronger puller from a conventional yeah. Uh, place too. Yeah. The posterior chain is, is something that it's a, you know, we all have different strengths or weaknesses. It's a strength of mine. So yeah, my leverages lend themselves well to conventional. I can just imagine you you know, in some exotic location, you're training, you're halfway through your working sets. Someone comes, someone, you know, a hiker comes up and they're like, oh my goodness, it's clay discovery deadlift. I, I'd love to work in. I'm so happy I found you. And then they start pulling sumo and you're like, no, man, like, you <laughs> no, you can't, you got, you got, you not with this, not up. In I'll, here. Be like, I'll be like, listen, man, don't you know, I pull conventional. No, I, I would. Uh, yeah. Live and let live. You want to pull a sumo deadlift, and that's uh, that works for me too. I mean, there's all kinds of uh, arguments about the range of motion and and whatever, but I can legitimately say I, I can pull more weight. The last time I tried sumo, which was a long time ago, I can pull more weight conventionally than I can from a sumo position. Also, I, I would think like if you're actually deadlifting on unstable surfaces, outdoors, rocks, sand, beach, dunes, loose packed dirt, sumo might actually be tougher than than it would normally because you're getting more like i don't know if it's torque but like it it might be tougher to actually like stay in that sumo position i think your feet closer could be an advantage yeah no that's a good point you could you could run into an unfortunate situation where and i'm not the most flexible guy so all of a sudden i'm doing the splits or something that that grounds (laughs) a little that grounds a little bit more malleable so yeah Let's talk about what you've been able so this is a, a very cool thing that you started you know coming up on three years ago Coming up on yeah. three years ago, um, so congrats on you know, congrats on the stick to itiveness, you know. But let's talk a little bit about the impact of that and how, like, real, really, where you've tried to leverage that impact because you are look, look, you're a power lifter going outdoors, picking up weight. That is enough to get on the Barbend podcast. Don't get me wrong, sure. But you're doing more with your audience, uh, and I'd love to hear a little bit about some of those efforts and goals. Yeah. Well, first off, thank you. I appreciate that. And yeah, I don't know what you do. Happy anniversary for somebody who deadlifts outside after three years. So like, what do you say? Like, way to stick with it. But um, <laughs> uh, in terms of, yeah, I, you know, I, in the weightlifting world, and it, it's, it crosses gender divides as, as well, I assume, right? But I know men in particular sometimes have a hard time talking about our feelings. And mm. if you're in a hyper-masculine space, like the gym or powerlifting or strongman or bodybuilding, I think that, you know, sometimes, you know, the idea is to be stronger, to be macho is to be extra stoic. And I think there's a place for stoicism for sure. For me, I found weightlifting in a period of time where I was grieving the death of my father and I was preparing to become one myself. And there's an intrinsic connection there between my physical health and getting stronger physically and mentally. So, you know, as Discovery Deadlift has given me an opportunity to speak more candidly just about that. And if it helps anybody feel 
like it's normalizing or demystifying the fact that like, hey, we all have struggles. We all have things that are difficult for us uh, mentally, emotionally, and that's okay. We can be a community together. We can take actionable steps, give yourself some grace, normalize talking about what's difficult for you. Because in my experience, when you talk about it, whether it's with a loved one or a professional, things get better. So I think that the the connection between physical and mental health has been something that I've been able to to speak with. And it's been really affirming to get direct messages from folks that are saying like, hey, I feel a little bit more empowered to talk about this. And it's really cool. So. I, I was going to ask, you know, the, the feedback you've gotten from from your audience. Because the question isn't, have you gotten feedback? The question is, what type of feedback? So thanks, thanks for preempting my question and doing my job for me, Clay. I oh, really yeah. appreciate Any, it. Hey, anytime, man. Have you thought about work? And thank you for going into that, by the way. I, I know <laughs> that I, I can be a little bit of a, a snarky podcast host sometime, but I did want to give some space and not at the very end to talk about like, okay, what's the impact of this beyond you know, you you leveraging the platform for something else. So I really do appreciate you sharing that. Sometimes that is the hardest stuff to share, right? Sometimes that is, the self-reflection is challenging. So I do appreciate that. Uh, I, I am curious, do you know if Discovery Deadlift has inspired anyone to do similar but slightly different things outdoors, like outdoor squatting, cleans, pressing, anything like that. Yeah, it's it's actually been pretty cool. I pretty regularly will get sent videos in my like Instagram or TikTok of folks deadlifting, squatting. There's been some bench pressing. Yeah, uh, kettlebells. People just bringing kettlebells out there to an open space. And it's not always an exotic location. Sometimes it's just the park by their house or their backyard. But just this idea that, hey, I want to go into the open air and and breathe in some fresh air and train when I'm doing that. So, uh, yeah, I've I've actually received, you know, dozens and dozens, if not more than that, of folks out there working out. There's actually a group of, I think, 40 people, something like that, in Tunisia that they, they joined together and they hiked this mountain and they all like carried the load. And then there's, they all deadlifted at the top. I don't know if they did anything besides deadlifting, but yeah, it's been cool to see other people kind of be like, I'm going to try it. Well, you know, the thing is if you're deadlifting, there's a lot else you can do. Take some of the weight off, do some cleans, do some shoulder presses. Yep. You, You know, we could talk about your big enemy. You know, if you can clean it, you can front squat it. That's right. So, uh, you know, like, and you guys had this on your, your side. I went out onto that frozen lake, but actually, so obviously my weight, I only had 225 with me there for obvious reasons because I didn't want to like break the, the ice on the lake. But uh, we had a lot of fun there, actually. Yeah, I uh, did some floor presses with the bench. We did some uh, front squats. I've done shoulder presses plenty. A lot of rows, obviously, to war- uh, warm things up. So, you know, there's been times I try to stay authentic to what I would be doing in the gym. As far as what I would be doing outside. And obviously I augment that sometimes just depending on the length of the ruck and like the elements. But um, if I'm going lighter for a deadlift day or for its active recovery, yeah, I'll maybe incorporate a few other movements in there too. Let's talk about dream places to deadlift that you have not been able to visit just yet. Yeah, no, I love this topic. I've been relegated to the state so far. So um, and I've been to about 10 different U.S. states. I think we're at 170 plus locations right now and just seen some beautiful things. Dream locations, as we're talking internationally, we have some potential international plans this year, actually. Iceland is a place that I really want to go, just considering the history there for strength sports. And then, you know, to, to see the Northern Lights, they have volcanoes, they have mountains, they have rivers, beaches, 
So Iceland is one. Norway, I mean, I'd love to get to Japan at some point. I just, you know, once you get that wanderlust, it's, it's hard to tamp it down. But I think Iceland would be the most immediate uh, destination. Well, Clay, where is the best place or best places for people to follow along with your, I was going to say journey, but it's really a lot of journeys and a lot more to come here. Sure. Yeah, no, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Discovery Deadlift. You can also follow me at TikTok at Discovery Deadlift. We're looking into a YouTube channel here that should be up uh, relatively shortly. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. Clay, thanks so much for joining us. Very uh, fun fun to hear about the evolution of your journey with, uh, with more to come. I'm sure I appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you, man.